You're listening to Inspirational Perspective with Linnell Harris. Inspirational Perspective is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. Are you living the best life possible? You can subscribe to the Inspirational Perspective blog at www.inspirationalperspective.com. Follow Linnell on social media. Go to Facebook and like the Facebook page, Inspirational Perspective. You can also follow Linnell on Twitter and Instagram at the handle Linnell Harris. In this recording, Linnell continues his series on self-discovery by interviewing Sean Flynn, the author of The Manual, From Adolescence to Manhood. In the second part of the self-discovery series, Linnell and Sean explore the intricacies of becoming a man. Let's join the conversation. Tonight, I'm honored to have Mr. Sean Flynn in the studio with me this evening. Sean, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Hello, world. Hello, Chicago. Good evening, everybody. And Sean is the author of a book titled The Manual from Adolescence to Manhood, which I got to tell you guys, after reading this book, it you know, this is a memoir. Yes. But on my side, it was definitely a journey and a tale of self-discovery for you. Definitely. And so I thought, hey, you know what? This is an excellent opportunity. This is Self-Discovery Month, and Sean wrote a phenomenal book that is all about self-discovery, but not just self-discovery, but the manual, emphasis on the man. Yes. And just, you know, his life tale of how he came into manhood. And so I'm, I'm telling you right now, if you have a young man in the house and he's not listening, or maybe he was just about to go to bed, wake him up because this is worth him being tired for in the morning. I'm telling you. And if he's playing video games, shut him down. <laughs> you know, hey, he needs to listen to this show because we're going to be talking about the book. Definitely. And this book has all types of inspirational nuggets, all types of wisdom that I think the audience is going to get a lot out of. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Sean, man. Okay. Yeah, how you doing this evening, brother? I'm good. I'm good. No complaints. Grateful to be here. Thank God for being alive and uh, appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for having me on, bro. Oh, man, I'm excited to have you on. Like I said, I read the book. It was great work. And I was like, oh, man, I got I definitely have to have uh, this brother on the show. So I appreciate it. Yeah. So, you know, we'll be hearing more from Sean in a moment. But Sean, yes. tell us, how can people get in contact with you if they have questions? You know, you got your phone there, man. So yes. you could be checking your Twitter and your Facebook as well. How, how do they get in contact with you? Twitter at Urban Poe, U-R-B-A-N-P-O, Facebook, just my name, Sean, S-E-A-N-M-F-L-Y-N-N. You can hit me on Facebook. Instagram, 007, at 007-N-O-I-R. Uh, I consider myself the Black James Bond, so my 007 man. Noir. Nothing wrong with that, brother. Nothing <laughs> but yeah, wrong with but, that. But, um, you know, those are the basic ways to get in touch with me. In addition to email, urban.po at Gmail, you know, all of those will get to me, and I appreciate it. Okay, so, you know, this is a phenomenal book. Thank man. you. I, you know, and I, I have to tell you, you know, and some people say, how did this happen? So, you know, Sean wrote the book. He reached out to me. He said, hey, look, man, you know, I have this book. I said, all right, well, you know, send it on over to me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, so I get books. You know, I get a lot of books. And, you know, I started reading Sean's book. And this is where I want to start with you, man, because I got right into the introduction. Mm -hmm. And in the introduction... You say here, not having a positive male role model in a young man's life is a horrible tragedy. I mean, that's just you just kind of kicked it off that way. So I wanted to get your perspective. You know, what were you thinking when you wrote that line? 
what I was thinking was uh, immediately, first and foremost, thinking about my own life. And um, thank God for my mother. Thank God for the, the positive role models that were put around me, you know, through church, through, you know, the support unit, uh, school, different things like that. But at the same time, not having that balance in terms of parents, uh, not having that proper balance in terms of a good father, a good mother, there were some deficiencies. You know, just even on a small note, you know, I noticed this uh, amongst men that I've known or come into contact with. A lot of guys who had some sort of positive male role model or father figure or somebody close to them have learned something, a trade or something, right. maybe a handyman, maybe a mechanic right. or something to that degree. Things like that help. I can say of myself, I don't know how to do anything. I can, <laughs> bro, I can barely get a, 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 you know, a hammer to a nail, but, you know, I'm smart enough to know how to call somebody that knows how to do that stuff. Right, so that's right. cool. But it's little things like that. You know, I, I talk to people and I've said this before. And sometimes women get upset with me when they hear me say this. But I really do not feel that a woman can raise a boy to be a man. Don't get me wrong. I was raised by a single parent. I love my mother. She did an excellent job with me and my brothers. Right. We're functioning human beings. But that wasn't her job to teach me how to be a man. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? She could teach me to be a responsible human being, a good person, all this other stuff, but only a man can teach me how to be another man, hopefully a good man, looking at it from the reverse. And like I said, I know women get upset when they hear that. What do you mean? What do you mean? My grandmama right. did it. My right. mama did it. I'm doing it. I'm raising my child by myself. Okay, cool. But let's flip it around. You know, I have daughters. If something happened to their mother where the daughters were left with me and I had to raise them, I could teach them to be decent people. I can teach them to be clean, you know, be on time for work and pay your bills and all that. But I can't teach them to be ladies. I'll uh -huh. never be able to teach them to be a lady because right. I'm not a lady. So that's a horrible tragedy for young men. We can turn on the news, look outside your window, and, and you we see, see a lot happening. of guys, right. a lot of guys missing positive male role models. Okay. I asked the question because it gripped me. And after it gripped me, I mean, I, I got to read and I flew through the book. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's an excellent read. Now, you know, you broke the book down mm -hmm. into 25 chapters. Yes. And, you know, so for the listening audience, those of you who haven't had an opportunity to check out the book yet, I mean, you, you know, you probably want to let them know in, in a while where to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he broke the book down into different chapters, right? Being a man, being a brother, being a friend, being strong, learning from Malcolm, right? Those are the first five chapters, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to go into all of them, but mm -hmm. then the last five are being a provider, being a protector, being a disciplinarian, avoiding divorce. Mm -hmm. And then you ended it with having hope, yes, which is rather unique to, you know, kind of lay the book out that way. What was the inspiration behind that? Originally, you know, I, I, first and foremost, I got to, you know, mention God, obviously. Uh, the inspiration for the book came from God. I, you know, looking outside, I'm getting older. You know, I'm not old, but I know I'm right. getting older. And it's not that I don't understand the young people out here gangbanging, thugging, blowing a loud pack, you know, tossing it up, you know, uh, making it rain in the strip club and all that other stuff. It's not that I don't understand that as a young person, uh -huh. but I see the detriment behind it. I see the evil that comes with it. And with that, you know, as I got older and I begin to see what happened to more and more friends of mine, different ones that I've known, you know, whether it's jail, whether it's death, whether it's drugs, whether it's just hard circumstance, my heart began to grieve, right. you know, and, and even when it comes to my own children, I have a son, and my concern would be, you know, where would his life end up if he didn't have a positive male role model? So right. as I began writing the chapters, my initial thought was to make 21, which is, you know, we right. all know is the legal age of a man. You can go to the club, drink, smoke, whatever at 21. But once I got the 21 down, I still felt like there was more to be said. So okay. there was more that were added behind that. And the 25 
chapters basically represent either a characteristic or uh, an experience that I went through leading to my own manhood. You know what? I like the idea of it being 25 because mm-hmm. I can remember when I was 21 mm-hmm. and I wasn't quite grown yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's something about 25. Your insurance rate goes down. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like society recognizes you as an adult mm-hmm. man, right? Mm-hmm. You know, young ladies don't have to worry about that. You know, their no. insurance is lower no. at 21, Already. you know, but Already. it's something about, you know, it's just, it's mathematically proven that at 21, a young man is not as responsible oh, no. as he thinks he is, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, you're still doing some immature things. And wilding, so, wilding yeah, out. Yeah, so I actually like the fact that it's 25. Well, hey, we have a caller, and then after we talk to the caller, I want to talk a little bit about the chapter being a brother. Yes. Because that, I mean, there was some phenomenal takeaways in that. But first, we've got Brandon here out of the Shot town Brandon, how you doing, man? Hey, how you guys doing tonight, man? I like all this, what's being said, and... uh what you guys are saying our truth is it's the truth. I know that voice. Oh, you know that voice? All right, who is this to you? <laughs> I know that yeah, voice. This, this is uh this is uh Sean's cousin calling in, man. And okay. uh you know, just wanted to support what's going on right now, just uh, the whole movement that he's uh standing behind and you know, I I'm definitely on board with that. You know, I have seen myself that, you know, as being young and being black and in Chicago a lot of times the problem is that we want our tomorrow today, mm-hmm. you know, um, and just uh, having the patience and what he was saying about, you know, being a role model, you know, Sean definitely has been that for me, you know, growing up, I was telling uh, Linnell over the phone, like, um, the time when we sat down with me and you had uh, an empty uh, a projectile uh, bullet case, and then you were just kind of explaining <laughs> to me about, you know, the consequences that come you know, we're living that life in the street, you know, and as we get older, you know, we see what those consequences are, you know, we have that knowledge now that, you know, for every action, there's a reaction, yes. and a lot of guys mm-hmm. out here, they know the consequences, but when they start experiencing those consequences, it's, it's a little bit too late, so, you know, I definitely applaud, you know, what you guys are doing and what you guys are about. You know, more young men need to hear that. I appreciate the call, you, Brandon, Chris. man. Have a wonderful evening. Yeah, thanks a lot for that. What he's talking about, there was a – he is funny. That's why it's important to have positive male role models. It's important what children remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were much younger, man, and, you know, living on 95th Street. And I remember he came over. He was, you know, at that age, you know, he began to wow. He'd been to hit that point. And, um, you know, I remember I was talking to a man and it was an empty shell outside my home, an empty gun shell. And, I, you know, grabbed it and I, you know, more or less was talking to him like, dude, you know, you don't want to end up with this in you. You don't want to end up down this road later on in life. This took somebody's life or hurt somebody, you know. And it's interesting. That thought came and went, but he remembered that. You know what I'm saying? And to this day, this man still brings that up. But that's that's cool. I'm glad I was able to, you know be a part of something that he remembered in a positive way. So that's cool. Right. That's Thank what you, I B. that's what I call planting seeds, man. Planting yeah. seeds. Yeah. So let's talk about this chapter being a brother. You mm-hmm. open up the chapter and you say, I owe a lot to my brothers. Mm-hmm. In many respects, they were the closest thing I had to a father yes. growing up. And then you make references to your older brother, oldest brother Patrick, mm-hmm. and you talk about Todd. And, it, and there's something you say about Todd. 
in the book and you know you guys got to go grab the book matter of fact where can they grab the book sean amazon.com you can do a search right now don't wait do it right now hit your computers amazon.com type in my name sean m flynn s-e-a-n middle initial m last name flynn f-l-y-n-n it'll be the first entry that pops up okay and so there's something that stuck with me because you know, I'm the oldest of six mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if everybody in the listening audience knows that, mm-hmm. but I'm the oldest of six. And, you know, we hold the Harris name as royalty, right? Harris's mm-hmm. don't do this, Harris's don't do that. And, and it stuck out to me because, you know, your older brother Todd, in the book, Sean is having some dealings and he's doing something he has no business doing. I'm not going to give it away. Mm-hmm. And your brother says, we don't do that in this family. Mm-hmm. We're better than that. Mm-hmm. A man has to learn how to stand on his own. Mm-hmm. And if I catch you out here like this again, I will physically hurt you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, so tell me a little bit about that, man. Right. Because I, I have brothers myself and I understand what it is to look at your brother and be like, man, I love you so much. I will physically hurt you. But how did that land on you? Bro, it landed hard because my brother is taller than me and bigger <laughs> than me. He grabbed me up like I remember him grabbed me by my shirt like, dude, stop. You know what I'm saying? I, I call myself trying to make my entry level position into the, you know, the drug right. life, the street world. And right. he, he grabbed me quick before my feet even got wet. Like, don't do this. And, you know, I know a lot of people's situation, you know, it takes more than somebody grabbing you. But for me, that right. was all I needed. That's what you One, need. because I didn't want to get hurt. <laughs> but <laughs> you believed him. I, yeah, I believed right. him. I knew him. Right. I believed him. I know he would hurt me. But two, because I also understood he was doing it from a place of love. You know what I'm saying? I know my uh, brother loves me, and he wouldn't have told me or you know put me out there bad. He wouldn't send me off. Right. And uh, what he wanted was the best for me, and I understand that, and I, I respected and appreciated that. Ideally, if I had a father at that point in time, that would have been his role. Exactly. So I, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful he took that step right there. Yeah, and sometimes that's the role that brothers have to play, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. uh, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to skip to the chapter, Being a Friend. And, and in this chapter, you talk about I believe something your other brother, Eric, Mm -hmm. right, said. And what Eric said is you can't call everyone your friend. Mm -hmm. If you have one friend in this world, you're blessed. Yes. Profound words. Again, I mean, it's interesting the things that we remember that stick with us, uh, Mm -hmm. that magnetize, you know, into our subconscious. And, you know, it's like a light bulb goes off. That was one of those moments for me. My brother was just talking, just relaying something that his track coach told him. I was just ear hustling, listening in another room, but that hit me like, wow, like that's real. I can't call everybody my friend. I was young and at that age, everybody's your friend. I meet homie down the block, he my friend, this person, that my friend. And you don't know, they could be into all sorts of stuff, but just because they somewhat take a liking to me, they my friends. No. Uh-huh. That doesn't make them my friend. You know, if they're looking out for my best interest and we're moving in a positive direction, makes them my friend. If they want to protect me from hurt and harm, that makes them my friend. If they're like family where they care for me like my family cares for me, they're my friend. You know, every local yokel ain't my friend. And you said something else, too. So I'm going to go a little further, right? Mm-hmm. A little further in the chapter, you, you said my friends became an extension of me, which mm-hmm. they do, by mm-hmm. the way. So, hey. Your friends become an extension of you. And that's mm-hmm. one. I mean, one sentence, a lot of wisdom. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you, you from there, you said from them, I learned life lessons, loyalty, brotherhood, responsibility, unity and support. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to skip a little bit mm-hmm. and you go to, down a little further. You say, I don't believe you find real friends. Mm-hmm. I think God puts them in your life's path. Mm-hmm. It's not like looking for a pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. like picking out clothes. Mm-hmm. It's nothing you can do to earn or deserve good people in your life. Mm-hmm. Real friends are a blessing that we receive. Mm-hmm. Man, 
And so again, I was reading this on the plane and I'm sitting there and I had to I had to kind of sit back like, wow, because I mean, I think about my good friends. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, these are people who I know will be there for me. And they are just that the blessings. Right. These are people Mm -hmm. that no matter what happens, you know, I could go knock on his door. He going to open up the door and, and, and let me lay my head down. True. Yeah. True. So, I mean, what inspired that? I got to mention these people, Jason Harris, Jason Fullman, I'm sorry, Mike Harris, James White, those dudes right there, I've known them the majority of my life. Jason Fullman, he not only was my best man, but I've known him since fourth grade, man. Mm -hmm. Me and him are the same age. Me and our brother have seen a lot. His family is like my family. I mean, really, those dudes have taught me a lot. I've learned a lot from them. I was fortunate. You know, I know everybody's situation isn't like that. You know, some people fall in and out with friends. I think, you know, I don't know, maybe being biased, but women kind of seem to do that. They come in and out of friends sometimes. Right. It wasn't, you know, and dudes too, you know, guys go through that, but I didn't, it didn't work like that with me. I mean, those guys, we just clicked. We clicked. We had similar family backgrounds, you know, similar uh, life standards, living standards. You know what I'm saying? We had similar goals. We all wanted to achieve stuff. We were ambitious. We cared about each other. I learned a lot from those guys. You know, they were extra family. Again, I think I mentioned in one point in the book where, you know, I may not have had a father, but I've always had family. And Mm -hmm. that's what that meant. You know, when you're missing a part, there's others that come in and make up for that and make it a collective. Nice. Um, you know, it takes, you know, the little phrase, it takes a village, you know, to, raise, it, yeah. to raise a child. I mean, that's cool. And I, I needed that. And that's what they represented. Yep. And then, you know, later in the book, you said everyone who wants to be your friend to you, who wants to be a friend to you may not be a good friend for you. True. So I, I highlighted that. And then, of course, birds of a feather flock together. Mm-hmm. I know the listening audience have heard me say that typically we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. That's real. And so friends have a significant impact. And it's interesting to me that, you know, you talked about these friends being uplifting mm-hmm. more so than, you know, individuals who influenced you off the right path. So that's mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. real cool. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to move along, man, because I want to get to my favorite chapter. <laughs> uh, and we still have a little bit of a ways to go. And that favorite chapter is learning from Malcolm. I mean, Definitely. that one's that one's got a lot of good stuff. But. The next one is being strong. And in this one, you talk a lot about your mom. Yes. And I know she's listening right now, right? She is. I man. love her. And I love hey, your mama. mom, too. I love your mom, too, boy. Yes. She's a wonderful woman. But <laughs> here you talk about her. and You said she has been a great legal secretary, an awesome cook, a fabulous dresser, a moral cheerleader, mm-hmm. a serious shopper, our mm-hmm. maid, our stylist, a servant of God, our counselor, our therapist, our nurse, the mm-hmm. matriarch of the family, the encourager, the life of the party, a true friend. I mean, it just goes on. But Awesome resume. Man, I know. <laughs> it, it, it made me think about my mom and the role that mothers play in, you know, all of our lives, right? Regardless mm-hmm. of whether we had a, a father in the house or not. I mean, just the tribute that they are to us. And I thought it was phenomenal that you put that in the chapter of being strong. What mm-hmm. motivated that? You know, touching back real briefly on what I said about women not being able to uh, raise a, a male child into a man, albeit that I feel the way I feel about that, and I, I truly see that as a truth, but there's the other reality of it is a lot of women are stuck with having to raise males mm-hmm. by themselves. That's not by design. It shouldn't be by design, and it's not a, a, a ideal burden that a woman would want to carry, but you know, some have to, unfortunately. And my mother did that. I, I could never take away from what my mother had to sacrifice, what she had to do, what she went through. I could never take away any of that. You know what I'm saying? She carried right. a lot. And as a woman, 
as a woman, you know, we talk about strength. We talk about this, that, and other men. You know, some dudes like to beat on their chest. I'm the man. I'm the man. Stomp with the big dogs and, you know, rule with an iron fist. But when a woman shows you up at being strong, what do you do with that? Mm. When a woman carries more on her back, carries more of a load than a man, what do you do with that? Right. I seen the movie, and I, I've seen it more than once. I love it. Twelve Years a Slave, right? And the young lady that won, I guess, supporting actress or whatever uh, it was, Napita, Napita, uh, Lupe. Uh, yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. But in the movie, if anybody's seen it, her character. She picks way more cotton than any man yeah. that that was there. She puts the men to shame. She's picking up like 500 pounds of cotton or whatever, and they're picking up like one and two. Mm-hmm. That, to me, was like a, a typography for my mother. Okay. You know what I'm saying? She carried a whole lot of load that one dude should have been carrying and couldn't even carry half of it. Got so it. thank God for her. And we're going to get into that a little later, because mm-hmm. later in the book, you kind of give a almost like a blueprint mm-hmm. for what you believe a young man and a man should be. Mm-hmm. And so I, I definitely want to hit on that later. Definitely. But, and, but I want to call out something that your mother did, and this reminds me of my mom. Mm-hmm. And it, I love it, your moms too. Yeah. She's, she's good oh, people. Oh, yeah, my mom is wonderful. I love her. Love her to death. Hey, ma. <laughs> and uh, what you say here is, and you're talking about your mom, she yeah. was never one to accept a whole lot of excuses. Mm-hmm. Terms like, I can't, mm-hmm. I don't want to do it, mm-hmm. I don't like it, or it's too hard, weren't acceptable in our home growing up. Mm-hmm. Then you talked about, you know, if you came home with a C or a D, like, hey, that's not good enough. Not and acceptable. then you go on to say, you know, like, she is literally a survivor. Mm-hmm. From criticism to cancer, she'll confront it all. That's mm-hmm. just who she is. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't help, you know, because I know we have a lot of, you know, so listening to the program right now are some single mothers. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're probably saying to themselves, you know, so how do I do it? How do I... How do I, you know, you said, hey, you know, it, it takes a man to raise a man. Mm-hmm. But for women out there who don't have that option, giving how your mother raised you, you know, what is your word to them? God. That's my word to him. One word. God. My mother was only able to do what she did because she was following a blueprint. Mm. And that blueprint was, you know, adhering to the principles of the Bible. I know people are hearing me throw that out there because I have to throw that out there. I can't give you, you know, I don't have a 12-step program. I can't give you some other method that work. I can't tell you, you know, I found a brick of gold in the backyard or Uncle Bucky from 12 generations back left me a million bucks or Mm -hmm. this happened. I can't tell you that. What worked for my family, what worked for my mother was that she latched on to God. I mean, that became her crutch. That that became her man. You know what I'm saying? That laid out the blueprint and gave the example. So through my mother going to church, her being diligent there, uh, sacrificing a lot of her life to be an example to me and my brothers, you know, we were placed around or able to see uh, good examples of men at church. That helped. That helped a whole lot. I may not have had a a close or personal relationship with the men at church growing up, but just seeing them. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. You know, people say, Mm, I'd rather see a sermon and hear one. I just saw good men that were with their families. They wasn't beating them. They wasn't drinking. They wasn't smoking, getting high. They didn't run off. They'd have eight, nine, ten, six kids, however many they stayed right there, paid their bills, did what they were supposed to do, saw them every Sunday in church. They was decent from what I saw. So that was example enough for me. Got it. Got it. Now, let's talk about (laughs) let's talk about church a little bit, Mm -hmm. because in the chapter learning from Malcolm and this is on your mom, too. Mm -hmm. You talked about how, you know, she go out uh, here. Here it says she talked one or two of the guys who were calling it 
for the neighborhood into going to church with us once in a while. She's crazy. My mother was crazy. <laughs> and you say she had no idea who these dudes really were. No. It was always kind of weird having the neighborhood killers riding to church with us on Sunday. Man. Man tell me about that, bro. <laughs> oh, boy, boy. The neighborhood. It is funny, right? Because I know your mom and I can see her. Being like, young man, you need to come to church. Yes, you need to come exactly. to church. And you like, mama, do you? Wait a exactly. second. Exactly. She has no idea. <laughs> right. This no guy. idea. She would get the crackheads to mow the lawn, help in the yard, do stuff on the car. This, I was like, do you know who this man is that you're talking to? Like, you know, but yeah, she would do that. And there would be guys. And that was, you know what? My mother made herself in that neighborhood. She made herself everybody's mother. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? She cared about everybody. And yeah, they knew we were the church family on the block. If nobody else on the block went to church, they knew we did. You right. know what I'm saying? So even when it came down to, you know, me trying to run the streets and run with the dope dealers and stuff, they'd stop me quickly. Hey, your mama would get me. Go home. No. You know, I heard that a right. lot from so, Malcolm. So would no. You, would you say that in a lot of ways, because of who your mother was, that provided a covering for you in the street? Definitely. Definitely. And like I said, I mean, I, I thought she was crazy, but she would do that. And she would catch these guys and, you know, they, who knows? They may have been looking to beat me up or something right. uh, within a couple of days. But because she stopped them like, hey, like, let's go to church. And she calling them by their government name, <laughs> uh, Dwayne. Dwayne, you come here. Look, look, we're going to church on Sunday. You should come with me. And he'd be like, oh, Miss Thomas, oh, Miss Flynn, I don't know. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. you going to church with us. No excuses. And them dudes would be there. They would be mm-hmm. out there Sunday with their little clothes on like, okay, I'm going to church going with to you. Church. I'm like, this dude was just busting up the street a couple of days ago. Like, you don't know what, who this man is. But that's, <laughs> that's my mother, man. That's my mother. Nice. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this chapter, Learning from Malcolm. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I enjoyed this chapter, man, because it, it really talks about your story. And what appealed to me most, you know, actually page 35, mm-hmm. you know, for those of you who have the book, right? And you talk about one of your fondest memories as a boy, really. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. you were at the time 15, you said? 15, 15 16, something like that. And, and, you know, long story short, you know, this guy Malcolm, he's a little older, the first time you smoked weed mm-hmm. was with Malcolm. Mm-hmm. First time you had a little drink was with Malcolm. Mm-hmm. And one of these evenings, you know, you talk about how, you know, you guys had a little something to smoke and, you know, some Remy Martin and a 7-Up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's your first time, like, just kind of hanging out, drinking and talking. Mm-hmm. And you thought that was being a man. That's what I figured in my mind. You know, again. Uh, so, t- so, so take us back, though, because there's a young man listening right now mm-hmm. who I think this is going to really really speak to take us back and talk about why you know why did you think that was being a man like what for you was going on in that moment in that time of your life where that's kind of what came up for you Mm -hmm. um the thought that just came to my mind uh the bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge there's a vision that should be placed in front of people and without vision the people perish the you know that was the example that I saw. As a young person, the stuff that young people see are so important. That's why TV, radio, the stuff that these kids listen to, the stuff that they see, you know, sometimes parents will feel like, oh, it's no harm in that. It's nothing wrong with that. Some of the dudes you hang around, your children, your boyfriends, or whoever you bring around your house, you, you know, they smoking weed, the guys are kicking it, cursing, game, and you say, oh, it's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with that. That's wrong. It and is something man, wrong with that. Inputs, outputs. It I is. Mean, something that's what wrong we talked that. about last month. So, those of you guys who listen every week, inputs 
outputs. It's like what they say, you know, you are what you eat. That goes mm-hmm. for what you listen to, that goes for what you see, and it also goes for who you hang with. Absolutely. Uh, Malcolm, to me, was that dude. You know, he, he was one of the main, not the only, but one of the main dope dealers in my area, but he was somebody that also took a liking to me, you know, mm-hmm. and I hung with this dude. I ran around him because I saw myself wanting to be like him. Mm-hmm. What I thought he was about, I thought was cool. You know, this dude sold drugs, didn't go to school, didn't work, you know, he had his little Jordans, was flashy, stagey'd up, and I thought that was what it was about. Yeah, the BMW. Man, fresh off the lot, bought a BMW, like 19, 20 years old. No job, no school, no nothing. He was just flipping. That's all he was doing. And I thought that was cool, and I wanted to be like that. So that night, hanging out with him, I thought that was like, I made it, or like I'm beginning right. to see what this is, right. because that's what I saw, not understanding that life is much bigger than that, not right. understanding that I shouldn't even be doing this, not understanding the repercussions that come behind doing this, but it's just that's what I saw. Like Kids would do that when I was young. We'd see a Benz drive by and be like, I want that, I want that, I want that. Right, right. But we don't know what that man did to get it. We don't know the price he paid. We don't know the sacrifice he made. We don't know the insurance. We don't know how much that car costs. We don't no, know how much it. the gas is. We just I want it, I want it, I want it. Well, it works like that with people. We sit and look at so-and-so, Pookie and Ray Ray up the block flashing, and we say, I want that. I want to be like that. I want to be right. like that. But we don't know what comes with it. We don't know what price they paid. We don't know none of that. And you know what? There's always a price because Mm -hmm. even those who get it legit, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's years of work, effort, education Mm -hmm. behind Mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. And and so I think these are things that are okay to want, but which way are you going to go to get it, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Are you going to go to school and really put in work where you don't have to worry about your life? No. Or, and be patient, right? Be patient in Mm -hmm. getting it, but Mm -hmm. at least when you drive it, you don't got to look over your shoulder. You're yeah, You're yeah. You earned you know, it the right way. You earned it the right way mm-hmm. versus, like you said, with Malcolm. And, you know, we're going to get to, you know, what ended up happening to Malcolm. But, mm-hmm. well, actually, I don't even want to talk about it. They got to read the book. They got to read the <laughs> read book. book. Read they got to read the book. Amazon.com. Yeah. But, Search my name. Sean M. Flynn. Look it up. And the manual is mm-hmm. the name of the book. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the things you say here is time seems too short and life seems too precious to waste on hurting or being hurt. Mm-hmm. But it does hurt when you lose someone before their time, mm-hmm. inexperienced and unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. I thought you summed that up perfectly because we're losing so many young men, especially right here in Chicago. Every day. Every yeah. day. I believe the stat that was posted, it, now they're saying you know the police have been messing with the numbers, but 448 killed mm-hmm. last year, right. just gone. Most of those young males, youngsters, let's be truthful, most of them young black males, mm-hmm. just gone. A lot of them under the age of 25, right. gone. I didn't know nothing at 25. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. God forbid if my life be cut down then. You know, exactly. It's, whew, bro, yeah. it's deep. It's sad. You know, I'm sure all of you just heard the last brother that was on was just talking about it. But the whole blood money thing, Chief Keefe's cousin. Sad. I heard that on the news. I'm doing laundry and hear it on the news. This dude was 30 yeah. years old, just signed his record deal two weeks before life over with. Over. I don't know if he had a family. I don't know if he had kids. But whatever the case, he can't do nothing else. Yep. He can't do nothing else. He, he's it's gone. It's over. Yeah. Game over. And it's, it's unfortunate, man. Very. Completely unfortunate. Very. A waste of life. And to that point, one of the things you write mm-hmm. in the book, in the same chapter, right? This is in section two of that chapter. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it's like the males who gravitate down the road of the streets mm-hmm. have a death wish. Mm-hmm. Some come to a point where apathy or the I don't care attitude distorts mm-hmm. how they see life, their future, others, and themselves. Mm-hmm. So easy to say, I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times have you heard that from children, from teens? How many times right. have we said that when we were young? I don't care. 
Oh, boy, you should pull your pants up. I don't care. Right. Boy, you should be respectful. I don't care. Uh, you should say yes, sir, or no, sir. I don't care. I don't uh. Right. So and, easy. And, 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 you know, this is what I found. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons why on the show here I talk a lot about purpose, right? Because mm-hmm. we all have a purpose. And when, especially a young person in some of these circumstances, they don't have anything they can tangibly hold on to. And even if, if uh, tangibly, idealistically, or hold on to in regards to a vision for their life, then this is what you get, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I believe that one of the things that will provide a young man a vision or in some way something tangible to hold on to is another man that says, hey, look what I did. Definitely. You can do it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, writing this book, you know, one of the, the thoughts behind writing it, and I was sharing this with my family recently, when I was younger, man, I, and I was messing up, going through them hard, you know, these growing pains, these difficult issues in life, I honestly, in my heart, I wished there was that man, that positive dude that would grab me, you know, put his arm around me like, right. look, man, stop, don't do this. What you're doing is wrong, young brother. You're about to mess up. Let me tell you how this is going to go because I've been there. Never had nobody there like that. You know, not saying that there weren't, I didn't have family members or people that tried to talk to me like that. Right. But in my, and even, you know, my mother, you know, I had women in my family, aunts, uncles, different ones that, you know, but I wanted, I, in my heart, I wish there was my father that was there to put right. his arm around me and say, dude, somebody that looked like me, right. dude, stop what you're doing before you wreck yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. And with that, I didn't have that. And, you know, Lord knows the hurt that comes with that. But that's what I wanted the book to represent to these young people out there. I wanted to be that voice to them. I wanted to give them what I didn't have. And that was that voice to be like, look, you don't have to do this. Let me explain to you what this is going to get you. You don't understand what you're doing right quick. I'm going to tell you from A to Z what this is going to get you so you can make a better decision than I did. You don't have to. You know, some people say, well, I don't want to be like that brother. or I'm not going to be like him. or I'm going to be better. Cool. If you want to be better than me, do that. But don't do less than me. Don't do less than me. You should right. do better than me. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying I'm nobody. And if you can't do better than me at nobody, then my God. So, Sean, you also share with me that one of the reasons you wrote the book was on purpose because, you know, you have a passion to create a male mentor program. Tell me more yeah. about that. The male mentor program. Uh, shout out to Evelyn Murdoch, man. Thank you. She's um, a, a good friend of mine that works within CPS, man. And, um, you know, she's just been beautiful. She caught a early version of the book, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, she's I mess with it. I know she's probably listening, but I mess with it because she's good to give me them pats on the back like them teachers do you in school. You know, right. like, yeah, little Timmy, you doing all right. You're doing good. Right. She quick to do that. And I'd be hating that. Like, <laughs> I don't need all that. Just, you know, whatever. But she caught the early version of the book and she read it. And it was she actually sparked that idea. She was like, dude, this. This could be, you know, this could be something that help kids in school, like a project. And I, you know, I'm not no genius in that regard, but I threw it at her like, hey, do you think this could be boiled down into a curriculum? And she did just that, man. She took her some time, but she worked diligently. She worked hard and boiled all that stuff that you hold it in your hand in that book. She boiled it down into a a literal, you know, class subject, you know what I'm saying? Something that can be taught. And um, with that, I I took that and, you know, put together a little package proposal and uh, just uh, started shooting it around, man. I I wanted to shout it out to a couple of local area churches. I've been, you know, contacted actually people, either whether it's been parents, whether it's been people that work within CPS, different ones have been contacting me and saying, hey, 
you know, this would be good here. Now, where I was looking at the community churches, because the churches, I figure, are the cornerstone of the, you know, the area of the community, of the black culture. These folks are saying, hey, forget that. Schools need it now. Right. So, you know, hey, shout out to also uh, Chicago Jesuit Academy. Man, that school is awesome. Okay. Awesome. Uh, over there, I believe, 5300 West uh, uh, Jackson, man, in Austin. Awesome. They're like raising a million little Obamas. They don't need me, you know, but right. I, I was just recently there. I talked to the principal, Mr. Blakely. Good guy. But, you know, my ideal target for the male mentor program is uh, places like Inglewood, like Roseland, like Auburn Gresham, like Roseland. Um, you know, those are places that need it, man. They yeah, need us and no they, they need some sort of structure. Cool. Well, look, man, I, I want to you ended the chapter learning from Malcolm with a sentence. And I want to read that sentence and mm -hmm. then I want to move to the next chapter being respectful. Mm -hmm. And You said a real man knows mistakes are not a problem. Mm -hmm. Not learning from them is yes, They're real simple, real powerful. Yes, you know, uh, as I thought that was a great way to end, you know, learning from Malcolm. And I'm gonna tell you, if not for any other reason, that's my favorite chapter. <laughs> you know, you, you got to check out the book so you can you learn what happens to Malcolm and what Sean learns from that. And for young people, I mean, I think reading that chapter to a young man will change his life. Uh, I hope so. so. Yeah. I got to, you know what? I got to say this though, because I know my mother going to mess with me. She loves that chapter. And then not just, uh -huh. she said it to me first. That was one of the last chapters that I wrote for the book. It wasn't even in the book originally. Mm -hmm. um, but I realized I talk about a lot of stuff, but I didn't talk about the street angle, right. you know, that street life, which is obviously what 95% of these young folks are dealing with. And I realized I didn't cover that. So I meant to only mention a few things about Malcolm and tell right. about my life. But I found myself going and going and going because there was so much to be said about him and I ended it with that chapter but man everybody seems to love it but my mother was the first to mention yeah. this is so great yeah no it's, it's a wonderful you know just the details and the colors that you put into it really bring it to life thank you bro all right so uh this chapter being respectful man you know so this one was huge because you know often I think when we think about being respectful we immediately kind of project it onto other people but one of the things that you really hit on was self-respect yes and I'm, I'm going to read, I highlighted a couple of things here. You know, as a man, it's important to have self-respect. Yeah. In general, a lot of people lack a healthy dose of self-respect. Mm -hmm. It's evident in the way men talk, mm -hmm. dress, mm -hmm. act, walk, and how they carry themselves. Mm -hmm. In order to have self-respect as an individual, first, you have to know that you are loved. Yes. I was, man, I was like, okay. I mean, that by itself, I mean, that could be the chapter. Mm -hmm. But then you go into, you know, more detail and, mm -hmm. and, and kind of put more color into it. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, so just your thoughts on that. Like, you know, where did that come from? Again, I, I hate to keep making this the running theme of the show. We may have to change the name to, you know, <laughs> Pat Thomas. But, uh, but again, my mother, you know, thank God for just she poured love into me and my brothers. Mm -hmm. You know, she she made us feel like kings young, you know, like you are somebody. Right. You don't, you know, dress right. She always on me about how I dress. She hate the way I dress. But, you know, dress right, look right, talk right, right sit up straight. You are somebody. Stop looking like you're nobody. Right. Stop acting like you're nobody. You are somebody, you know, and that was her whole angle from day one. So you grew up hearing that, like, if you're loved and somebody cares about me, then I got to carry myself that way. Right. You keep going to the power of inputs. I'm just translated mm -hmm. into inputs. So what I hear is your mom, again, single mothers, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. His mother constantly affirmed him. Mm -hmm. Not just you, but your brothers as well. All of us. Constantly of us. affirmed you. 
to make sure you knew that you are a king, you are a prince, that you are loved. Mm -hmm. And that showed up in a powerful way in your life, in Mm -hmm. the choices you made. Definitely. I can't walk around with my head down. I can't walk around, you know, being down and out and feeling like there's no hope. I can't live like that. That wasn't what was put in my being. You know, some people will call it confidence. Some people will call it conceit. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But I tell you, at the end of the day, I still got to get up and do what I got to do. I can make moves. I can make excuses, but I can't do both. Right. You got to choose one. What you going to do? No doubt. No doubt. And I got a phone call. Leonard, I see you, man. So we're going to get to you in one second. I just want to finish up chatting about this chapter being respectful. Mm Mm-hmm. So then you, you switch the conversation, right? You talk about respect. You talk about self-respect. You give a few analogies about self-respect mm-hmm. that I think are great. And so they have to read the book to check that out. Definitely. But then you go on and say, it's two things in life you got to respect. And I believe you get this from your stepdad, right? Yeah. Your, your mom's yeah. husband now. Yeah. Edward. Mm-hmm. And he says, he, he, taught, he, he shared this with you. Yeah. And he says, hey, you know, hold on. Let me, let me, let me stop right quick. Because I just had this, I got to share. Okay, (laughs) Okay, come on. One of the things I'm noticing about you, Sean, and it just popped into my mind, Mm -hmm. is that you listen. I try to. (laughs) But no, I'm saying, you know, through here, I see that you, the things you have in here are things you listen to. Now, I'm sure there's more you could have listened to. True. But me too, right? True. Like, yeah. Yeah, but you listen. And that's the beginning of wisdom right there. Mm -hmm. That's the Mm -hmm. beginning. Hey, young people. The Bible says a wise man will listen. And And increase learning. Yep, yep. There you go. Mm -hmm. So, young people, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But if you listen, you will avoid some tremendous ills and pains. Definitely. So, anyway, let's go to this, right? Mm -hmm. It's two things in life you got to respect. And he says that's woman and money. Women and money, yes. (laughs) Man, again, so this right here, I was like, oh, yeah. And then he said, and then he goes on, women made sense. You're like, women made sense. Get you that. get right. that. I you get, get that. respect in a woman. Yeah. You're like, but money? And then you go on to say, but money, you know, kind of what you learn from him is money is worthy of respect because of its powerful ability to impact lives. Yes. How yeah. a person manages their money says a lot about them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's sad because, you know, we talk about things that kids see and the images is put in front of them. Let me tell you, making it rain in the club is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. The dumbest thing in the world to throw money in the air and give it away. Are you foolish? It's disrespectful to the money. Beyond disrespectful to the money. And that, and them people, holler at them 15, 20 years, 30 years from now. See where they're at. Yeah. See where they're at. Yep. Dumbest thing in the world. Yep. Dumbest thing. You better put that money away, every penny of it in your pocket. Keep it. Hold Man. it. You Take know, a picture of it, something. I got a lesson early on mm-hmm. from a gentleman. And this is what I, I first got a job and I was hustling. I was in school trying to pay for school. Mm-hmm. And he gave me responsibility for inventory. Mm-hmm. And so I had responsibility for inventory and he, he had a car wash, a detail shop. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I was safe. You know, I thought, you know, cutting the armor wall with water was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> and so I started selling straight armor wall, right? And he came out to me. He said, man, you know how much? he showed me how much that was costing. And then he, he began to really help me understand the power of the dollar. He didn't just t- he didn't get on me and, and curse me out or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He said, let me show you something. And he began to break down for me that if he didn't cut those, the, that was big, big, they were big, like 25 gallon jugs of armor off. I didn't cut that and sell it that way. Here are all the things I wouldn't be able to do all the way down wow. to the payroll. Wow. And that changed my perspective on wow. what a dollar can do. Wow. 
And so, you know, yeah, I get upset if I lose a dollar. And people man. are like, man, you, you lost a dollar. It blowing the wind. I'd be like, oh, I lost that dollar. Yes. yes. Yeah, because it, it matters. Hey, let's get some calls, man. Yeah. Let's get some calls. All right, Leonard, I got you, man, from uh, out here in Dog. How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm really enjoying the show. John, uh, Sean, big up to you, man. Hey, most really definitely. proud of you. First and foremost, I want to apologize. Most definitely getting the manual uh, first thing on my bucket list this week. Um, <laughs> okay, bro. I want to try <laughs> I want to try to, um, I know his time is short. I want to try to get as much in as I possibly can. Uh, first and foremost, I want to give a shout out to all the, you know, single moms, your mom. My mom wasn't single, but at the same time, you know, she raised 10 children. What's that? About six of them went to college, four got degrees. You know, she did what she had to do. You know, even with the father being there. And, you know, the way, you know, I was taught, you know, all of us was taught for the most part was that, you know, the mother, the woman was the one that was in charge of bringing up the children. Uh, you know, train the child in the way it should go. Even though they couldn't teach us how to be men, yeah. I was just think, listening to the part where you're talking about as far as being respectful. We don't know how to respect a woman until a woman shows us how to respect them. Yeah. And my mom, she really drilled that in me. Jumping back again, where you're talking about as far as having positive male role models. I'm, you know, I'm on my way, you know, get ready to have a child. And just looking at, you know, different ones and how they grew up, different ones that we grew up with, where they had a father or a father and mother or a mother. Just like you were saying earlier, when yeah. they inputs, outputs. Mm -hmm. A father could be in the home doing everything he needs to do as far as, you know, bringing home the bacon, making sure, you know, the lights and everything stay on and keeping the cars running. But if he's not taking that time to instill into that man, that boy or that girl what he needs to put into them, you know, what's going to come out of them. Is going to show. That's true. You know, hey, now, Leonard, we got to close the show, yeah. bro. But man, I like okay. what you were saying, okay. and we might have to have Sean back on. But, but Sean, yeah. give it. Tell us about the book. Where can they find it again? One, one last time. One last time. Amazon.com right now. Immediately, you can again do a search. Put in my name, Sean M. Flynn. S E A N. Middle initial M. Last name Flynn. F L Y N N. Other than that, the manual from uh, adolescence to adulthood. Get it. Get it. Get it. This episode of Inspirational Perspective was recorded at the Midway Broadcasting Corporation in Chicago, Illinois on WVON 1690 AM, The Talk of Chicago. Thank you for listening. Go to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page and like the page. Follow Linnell Harris on social media at the handle Linnell Harris. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with that handle. Text inspired to 43783 to receive free inspirational quotes and updates.